Well, once again, we welcome you and thank God for bringing you here. We know that our God controls every heart. That is so overwhelmingly wonderful. And He has moved upon our hearts to be here in this assembly this morning. Amen. And so I thank Him that we can be here for this very purpose of worshiping Him and giving Him all the glory for this unspeakable gift, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. I draw your attention to the fourth chapter of Daniel. Lord willing, we'll pick up in our studies in the book of Isaiah next week. We didn't get back until late Thursday night. I actually didn't get to bed until early Friday morning. And uh, boy, I came back with uh, a full plate. (laughs) A lot of things that I had to take care of. So my studies in Isaiah has been on, put on hold again until next Sunday, Lord willing. Now sometimes we wonder, I know God's preachers do, I do, is this really what the Lord is directing me to preach on? Is this what He would have me to bring? And for the last several days, actually for the biggest part of our absence back east, This passage of Scripture in Daniel chapter 4 has been going through my mind. And I even mentioned to my wife, I think when we get back, this is what I want to preach from. I got on the internet, and I always do, checking those men that I highly regard in the ministry, Pastor Fortner being one of them, to see if they have anything to say about this passage of Scripture that I feel led to preach from. And lo and behold, Pastor Fortner had a message on this same passage of Scripture. He preached it last Sunday evening. I had no idea. No idea until I checked his webpage this morning. So that blessed me. I thought, well, (laughs) that's some confirmation. And his message blessed me. The way he brings out things in such clarity and such God-honoring truths is always a rich blessing to read those men who are gifted from God to write and preach those things that give our God all the glory. And in that sermon... And I'll share our passage of Scripture for our text in just a moment. But in that sermon, Pastor Don Fortner said, God's will is done in heaven always. God's will is done on the earth always. God's will is done in hell always. With unexplainable infinite, sovereign power, God Almighty so governs all beings and all things that all either willingly or unwillingly accomplish His will. Both the good and the evil acts of men and angels are so completely and absolutely ruled by our God that nothing ever comes to pass except according to God's will and power. And he gives several Scripture references, and if you want those, you ask me after the services, I'll be glad to give them to you. 
Anyway, I wholeheartedly agree with what Pastor Don Fortner stated in those words that I just read. And let me add a couple of thoughts. Maybe you agree. I hope you do. I know that most professing Christians do not. But the fall of Adam was as much a part of God's eternal purpose as the death of Christ. The same is true concerning the flood during the days of Noah. God knows the end from the beginning, the Scripture tells us. And it's because God has purposed the end from the beginning and everything in between. And so, Israel... God's chosen people being taken captive by that wicked king Nebuchadnezzar is no exception. This was God's purpose. And I've titled this message According to God's Will. Nebuchadnezzar was a religious, self-righteous, arrogant, proud, wicked king But he was one of God's elect. One of the reasons, I believe, that God allowed Israel to go into bondage during the Babylonian captivity was for Nebuchadnezzar. I know there are other reasons, but Nebuchadnezzar was a chosen vessel of mercy. And he had to see some things. God had to deal with him. And he did. According to his will, God dealt with Nebuchadnezzar in a very personal way. Which is how he deals with all of his chosen people when he regenerates us by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Now just for the record, miracles and signs and wonders do not reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to God's people. A wicked and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, our Lord said, and no sign shall be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish's belly, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So signs and wonders and miracles as much as they might um, encourage us to want to see them, they're not what God uses to reveal His Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must come under the preaching of His glorious Gospel. And God must, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Make his gospel effectual as only he can. King Nebuchadnezzar saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego cast into a furnace heated seven times hotter than it had ever been heated before. And he witnessed those mighty men that tossed those three Israelites into that fiery furnace consumed by the fire. He saw that. King Nebuchadnezzar saw that. He also, when he looked into that fiery furnace, 
saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and one like the Son of God, walking in that fire with no hurt coming upon them. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that fiery furnace, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. But that did nothing to change the sinful, wicked heart of that king. So here in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, we read where this king, after he witnessed what I just brought before you, we read where King Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? You see how arrogant and how proud he is? He still has that old wicked heart. Now folks, listen. Verse 30 describes every one of us in our unregenerate state. We might not have worn the royal garments of an earthly king. We might not have sat on a throne made of ivory, an earthly throne. We might not have worn a golden crown on our heads. But all of us wore the garments of self-righteousness thinking that we were just something. All of us sat on our own throne of self-centeredness. And all of us wore the crown of sinful pride praising ourselves for our own accomplishments. That's just human nature. Look at what I have done. And as a footnote, this is exactly what the doctrine of free will produces. Look at me. I'm smarter than those who are burning in hell because God has given everybody a choice and I've made the choice. I have exercised my free will. Therefore, because of that, God has mercy on me and He did not have mercy on those people burning in hell because they didn't make the right choice. Now, I'm not making that up. That's what they teach. That's what they believe. Look at verse 31 of Daniel 4. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, thy kingdom is departed from thee. And in verse 32 says, And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times or seven years shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Now that's the fulfillment of prophecy that was made to him by God's prophet a year before this took place. Look back at Daniel 4, verses 24 through 26. The prophet says, This is the interpretation, O king, 
And this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And let's stop right there. Verses 24 and 25. That's what the prophet Daniel said to the king in interpretation of a dream he had. And God is God. Whatever He has said, He will bring it to pass. And He purposed, way before this happened, He purposed to put that wicked king down in a position, humbled him before God to where it was obvious when his understanding returned unto him that God is in the heavens and He does whatever pleases Him. And nobody can stop Him from doing what He is pleased to do. And like I said earlier, God has purposed all of this before it all happened. I'm talking about everything from the beginning of creation till our Lord Jesus Christ comes in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who know not God, who do not obey His Gospel. King Nebuchadnezzar lost everything. His position as a king did not help him one little bit. None in his kingdom could help him. All of his earthly riches were useful, or I mean useless. But he was safe in the hands of a sovereign God who as the divine potter, which was mentioned in Sunday school this morning, formed him as a vessel of mercy before a star ever twinkled in the sky. In God's mind, He purposed this. And when Nebuchadnezzar came into this world, he had no idea of what God had purposed. He had no idea that he was one of God's chosen people. He had no idea who God was because he bowed down to gods of his own imagination. And that's exactly where we were. We didn't know anything about spiritual truths, about Christ our Savior, about His finished work at Calvary 2,000 years ago, which was purposed by God in the eternal covenant of grace before time began. We didn't know any of this. Look at verses 32 and 33 of this fourth chapter again. It says, They shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know, until thou know, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heavens till his hair hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He had to learn something. He had to be humbled. Now it's interesting. The Word of God clearly teaches that God is pleased to give us His kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And when God delivers us from the power of darkness, and that's what He does, 
And we're to thank Him for that. When He delivers us from the power of darkness, He translates us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So this wicked king, his understanding came back to him. It says in that 34th verse, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. His understanding came back to Him. He, he had worldly understanding. That was restored. But He also had... Spiritual understanding. Matter of fact, it says in verse 36, At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. So all of that which he had before was restored unto him. Isn't it interesting that for seven years... He was like a wild man, a beast. But God preserved His kingdom. Nothing could, nothing could happen to Him except what God permitted to happen to Him. His kingdom was to be desired by anybody who was worldly would have loved to have been in that position as king over Babylon. But God preserved that kingdom for him. He did not allow anybody to kill that wicked king. And everybody had heard about that, I'm sure. Everybody had heard that this man who once was such a mighty man who ruled over that portion of this world with sovereign majesty as an earthly king was now a madman, a wild man. Well, that's the way we were. We were all nothing but beasts. Wild asses coat. Running from God. Hating God. Shaking our fist in His face. Drinking iniquity like water. (laughs) I heard an excellent object lesson or devotional from Brad this morning that just blessed my socks off. You don't mind me saying that, Mr. Ward. I, I just love to hear Christ exalted. And He brought before us these very truths that I'm bringing before you right now. God works all things after the counsel of His own will. And it was God by His sovereign power that came to us. And there is a difference between the sheep and the goats. We were like wild beasts, but we were not beasts that were made to be taken and destroyed. God loved us with an everlasting love. And He was for us. (laughs) He was for us from eternity past and He will be for us for all eternity. And so God has given us spiritual understanding as well. We might have thought we knew something, but we didn't until the Gospel is revealed to us. That Gospel is nothing but foolishness to us. Now, verse 34, God's appointed time, or or verse 35 rather, God's appointed time of love for this man is revealed not only in the fact that he praised and extolled the Most High God who lives forever. And Jesus Christ, our great God, is the eternal God. He has always been. He always will be. 
His dominion has always been a sovereign dominion. He has always reigned over everything. Everything in this universe after He created it and everything before that and everything following that. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has always been a sovereign God. A sovereign ruler. His sovereignty cannot be denied. We must acknowledge that. If we don't, we have not been enlightened by God the Holy Spirit. And these people who are making statements like God is wanting to do something but can't because you won't let Him. They don't believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. They believe man is sovereign. They believe man is God. And this is exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar thought before God gave him his understanding. But when his understanding was given to him, when not only he had worldly understanding, but spiritual understanding as well, that's when he praised the true and living God. And he made this statement in verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth... are reputed as N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. No thing. And He, God, doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? Now all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. This includes all the nobles that ever lived or ever will live and all the nobodies that ever lived and ever will live. Everybody in between. It also includes the most educated person that ever walked on this earth and the most illiterate person that ever walked on this earth. It includes the wealthiest and the poorest. And it includes you and me. God reputes all the inhabitants of the earth as nothing in His sight. Nothing. In the flesh dwelleth no good thing. And Nebuchadnezzar said, God does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? I put two passages of Scripture on the front of this morning's bulletin. I told Judy while we were back east, I never considered this. The truths in Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10, and this truth that we're looking at in Daniel 4.35, I've never, I've never brought them together. Never considered the two of them together. But listen to this. I already read Daniel 4.35, but our Lord taught us in Matthew 6, 9 through 10 to pray this way. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, he's not telling us to pray that it might be possible that God might have his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying this is how we ought to pray, acknowledging that God's will in heaven and God's will on earth is being accomplished by God and nobody can stop Him. Now as I, as I considered those two verses together, or those several verses together, I also, when I got back home, I was looking through some of Pastor Henry Mahan's writings, and lo and behold, he, he unites these verses together. So this was just a confirmation. This is what God would have me to preach on. 
that our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. God's will is going to be accomplished and nobody's going to stop Him from doing what He has purposed. Verse 37, we've already looked at verse 36. Verse 37, we read, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and His ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, He is able to abase. (laughs) The King of heaven is Jesus Christ. He's King of kings and Lord of lords, and all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him. And as Brother Brad Warden shared with us during his devotional this morning, the only thing we can say about these truths is, Jesus Christ is God. I say, Amen. He's Jehovah. He's the one who is on the throne of glory. And He's always been there, but not as a God-man. He's always been God on His throne. But now there's a glorified man in heaven. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. He's the same God that we read about in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's in control. He's in charge of this whole situation. Not man. This is the difference between the true gospel and that watered-down perversion of the gospel. The true gospel points to God as being sovereign and only at the throne of absolute sovereignty will anybody worship God. We must bow down to His sovereign power recognizing and acknowledging that He's the one who's in sovereign control, not man. Now I want to take you back to Isaiah 14 just for a moment. We'll be getting to this 14th chapter in our future studies in Isaiah, but I want to show you something. And A.W. Pink made this statement. He said, Nothing will foster godly fear, that is true reverential fear of God, like a recognition of the sovereign majesty of God. Well, we know that God is absolutely sovereign no matter what comes our way, no matter what we experience, no matter whether it's days of sunshine or days of rain, no matter if it's smooth sailing or we're on the rough seas of trials and testings, knowing that God is in control will keep us looking to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, giving Him praise for everything that He allows to happen in our lives. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar did. He saw that when he was a madman for seven years, it was God's will, it was God's purpose to bring him to this understanding that God is in the heavens and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And He does according to His will among the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Now listen to these words in Isaiah chapter 14 that describe God's perfect sovereignty. Verse 24, we read, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God is so perfect and He is so sovereign that even His thoughts are perfect. He doesn't have to give a second thought to anything. We do. 
We get ready to do something. We start planning and in the middle of something that we plan to do, we have to change. We have to make adjustments. Not God. Everything about God is perfect. And He, even in His thinking, manifests His absolute sovereignty for His glory and for the good of His people. Look at verse 26. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth and this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. That's God Himself who has purposed it all. His hand is stretched out on all the nations. And folks, that God is Jesus Christ. Now I'll draw your attention to the third chapter of Philippians. The title of this message, actually Philippians chapter 2, the second chapter. The title of this message is According to God's Will. And we were chosen in Christ that we should be holy and without blame before Him according to God's will. We were predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to God's will. In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to God's will. Our minds have been enlightened unto the mysteries of the Gospel by the sovereign power of God the Holy Spirit according to God's will. What we have in this relationship with God was purposed by Him before time began and revealed to us at the time of God's love for us when we were born again under the preaching of His Gospel. We have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to God's will. And like King Nebuchadnezzar, God came to us when we were just full of self, full of pride, hating God, running from Him in that number that God describes as one of the inhabitants of the earth being nothing. We were nothing. We had nothing. Nothing to offer God. Bankrupt. But now, by God's sovereign grace and His sovereign mercy and His sovereign power working in us, and I say that purposely, God had to send the Spirit of His Son into our hearts before we could acknowledge that we're nothing before we could acknowledge our need of Jesus Christ as our Savior, before we could acknowledge the truth of the Gospel that Jesus Christ by Himself purged our sins as we heard in a devotional this morning. We had to have the Spirit of God in our hearts before we could understand these spiritual truths. It's God's Spirit working in us that enlightens our minds to the Gospel of His amazing grace. And by His grace and His mercy and His power, we now, like King Nebuchadnezzar did after his understanding was returned to him, we bow down to God's absolute sovereignty that's in Christ our Savior who is the exalted, risen, exalted King God's darling Son who is over all of creation, sitting on His throne of power right now, working all things after the counsel of His own will. And so we praise and extol God's exalted Son who works all things for His glory and for our good. In Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5, 
we read, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And God has given us the mind of Christ. And we're to think on those things that are lovely. We're to avoid thinking on those things that are sinful. We're going to have those thoughts flash through our mind, but we don't have to entertain them. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Can you imagine that? Our Creator, who just spoke everything into existence, humbled Himself and became a man. And, and not just a man, but a servant. He came not to minister, but to be, he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. And this is the mind that is to be in us. And Jesus Christ, who is a great Creator, also was dependent upon the milk in His mother's breast while He was an infant. And He's the one who put that milk there. That, that boggles my mind. John Gill made this statement, and I've mentioned it before, it bears repeating, consider the humility of our great Creator Lying for nine months in the womb of one He created. That's, that's just too deep for me. I can't understand that. But oh, what wonderful news that our God has become a man for the purpose of redeeming us from the curse of the law. And He has done that. He paid the ransom price in full. He by Himself purged our sins as we said earlier. And Jesus Christ didn't make redemption possible, He obtained eternal redemption for us. All of our sins. I heard it this morning. I'll say it again and God's people never get tired of hearing it. All of our sins, past, present, and future were laid on Jesus Christ. And He paid the price in full for every one of them. Not one thing can be laid to the charge of God's elect. That's good news for a sinner. So we read that Jesus Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God who made Himself of no reputation, took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now listen to me. Listen to me. This is so important. He knew what was waiting for Him. He knew. He knew He was going to be made sin for us. He, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of God, who knew no sin, knew He was going to be made sin for us. He knew that He was going to suffer the eternal wrath of God for His people. And He knew that God would forsake Him. And so He prayed just before He went to the cross sweating great drops of blood. Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he subjected himself to that, knowing that was the only way that he could bring us into this living union with himself. He loved us with an everlasting love. He is immutable, and his love is immutable. Therefore, with loving kindness, He draws us unto Himself under the preaching of His Gospel, pointing us to what He accomplished for us at Calvary 2,000 years ago. He didn't try to save His people. He saved every one of them. 
And God is pleased when we, by His power working in us, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. By the way, no man can call Him Lord but by the power of God the Holy Spirit. I witnessed a man years ago when I was working in Chester, California, one of those free will Armenian Pentecostal idolaters, go over to a drunk who was seated on the curb in a little town of Chester and offer him a dollar if he would confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the way people think. That you can coerce people into the kingdom of God. Or that you can bribe them into the kingdom of God. Or that you can, by your own free will, come into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Ye must be born again. And the wind blows where it pleases. And God's miracle of the new birth falls upon those whom He pleases for it to fall. And none's going to stop Him. None's going to stop Him. He's going to do what He has purposed and He has purposed the salvation of His elect who were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So our Lord Jesus was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But look what it says in verse 9 and verse 10 together. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, Now grab a hold of this. We're talking about God's sovereign will. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that harmonizes With Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And He, God, does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? That harmonizes with the way our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father which which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it harmonizes with the truth that God reveals to all of His enlightened saints that our God is working all things after the counsel of His own will. And it was His will... It was God's will that we would come under the preaching of His Gospel. It was God's will and His purpose to reveal His Son in us. That's what Paul said in writing to the book of saints in Galatia. He said, "When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me. In me. And the word Lord, here in verse 11, is kurios. The Greek word is kurios. It means supreme controller. Jesus Christ is the supreme controller over this whole universe and everything in it. And the Scripture tells us that God Himself has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So when we come out of darkness into His marvelous light, It's according to God's purpose. And He said, I will do that which I have purposed. I will work and none can hinder me. God is in control. He's sovereign. Now listen. God saved King Nebuchadnezzar. Humbled him. And God is able. 
He is able to humble the hell-deserving, hell-deserving sinner. Why doesn't He humble everybody? Not His will. Not His purpose. But He has purpose to humble His elect to bring us to this awareness of our need of Christ and to move us to cry out for mercy in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen, exalted Lord who saved us at Calvary 2,000 years ago. God's the potter or the clay. He fashions us as it pleases Him. And I thank God that it was His purpose to fashion me as a vessel of mercy. So give Him the praise. Give Him all glory. And stand firm in the truths that God has revealed to you. Don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel. And don't let the enemies of the gospel who are trusting in the works of their own hands influence you in any other way than to give God all the praise and all the glory because He is sovereign over all the inhabitants of the earth, doing His will on this earth the same as He is doing His will in heaven. And God Himself is pleased when we acknowledge that. Amen.